Hello. Okay, now we're good. Hi guys. Hello. Um I really wanted to talk I really wanted to use this song tonight because I really, really like one specific phrase that the song says and it says, if we only knew. And I think that's really the base of my class today. It's a really short sentence, it's only four words, but it's a sentence that carries a lot of meaning. So a while ago, um, if you guys remember, I, talk, I gave a class about idolizing, and I spoke about how we idolize things, and the reason we idolize stuff is because to us, these specific things that we hold in our lives have a very, speci uh, like a very high value to us. It's something that we give it worth, right? You don't idolize something that is unworthy, something that's not important to you. When we idolize something, it has worth. It has some significance to it. So, the thi so that thing, that person, that object, the activity, somehow we see it as something valuable. Now, in order to give something value, you have to understand the significance, the importance, the how it affects your s you, your community, or the, the world. Some, there has to be something about it that makes it valuable. So, you know, there's some kind of char characteristic that you're like this. Because of this, I hold this to a great value. I have, this has great worth to me because it has this particular thing, right? So, what are these characteristics that make something valuable? So, to go, to go into a little more detail about what, what, how we give something value. I wanted to show you a, a couple pictures. So I'm going to start off with this really nice painting that I have for you guys. Let's see. It's, it's a painting that's called Daisies. So no, yes, this one, that's it. So this is a painting called Daisies. Very beautiful, it's very detailed, it's really nice. Obviously the artist has some talent. So I want you guys to try and guess how much this is worth. 15,000, five million, 50 bucks. $700, any more guesses? 25,000, that's it, final guess, 25,000? Five million. Bueno, if you guys really like it, you guys can get it on Etsy for $27. Yes. Now, the reason this is $27, obviously I'm not saying that this person doesn't have talent. This person clearly has some talent because I cannot paint like this. My swiggly flowers cannot compare to this beautiful painting. But the reason why this is not as expensive of a painting is because we don't know the artist. The artist is just somebody who does it on, as a hobby, as a side thing. They put it on Etsy and, you know, they're not somebody well-renowned. They don't have, they're not a famous artist. They're not somebody that, that has their paintings in a museum. They're just, they're just a painter. They're someone who likes to paint and they make their cute little paintings and they sell it. Still, beautiful stuff. But because we don't know the artist, because we don't know who this person is and what kind of, you know, who, what their background is, what they've done for the art community, they're not really, their art, the, what they put out, isn't given much worth, right? So, obviously, $27. Now, if you go to the next one, um, I want to show you another painting. This one's called Irises. Anybody want to give any guesses? 24000 
$700. Any more guesses? Okay, so my favorite painting by this artist is actually a painting called Vase of 15 Sunflowers. Now, the reason why I didn't show you my favorite painting by this artist was because the one that I like is a little cheaper. It's not as expensive as this one. The one that I like goes for $84.2 million. It's cheaper than this one. This one actually goes for $111.2 million. And this is not their most expensive draw, um, painting. So anybody want to give a guess about who painted this? Da Vinci? You guys never took an uh, art appreciation course, no? Picasso? <laughs> this was actually painted by Vincent van Gogh. Ah, oh, now we got, oh, see, you guys were saying this is not as pretty, right? This is not as nice, but now everybody hears the name Vincent van Gogh, so now you're like, oh, it makes sense, right? You've never, heard, you've never seen Starry Night? We've all seen that Starry Night painting, right? That, that yeah. painting with, like, the swiggles on the sky and the blurred, pic, the blurred um, stars? That's, that's van Gogh. So we've all seen, I'm sure if you guys, if I show you that picture, you would all know who Van Gogh is, but you guys are all going, ah, it makes sense now, because it's not so much about the painting, but it's more about who painted it. The unknown artist sold their painting of a flower for $27, and Van Gogh made another painting years, many, many years ago of flowers as well, and it's going for $111.2 million. The only difference is, who painted it? Van Gogh, if you guys have ever taken a humanities course, an art appreciation course, you're going to hear about Van Gogh and how he did great things for the art community, how his paintings are beautiful, and you're gonna hear all about his work. So because he's famous, because he's really well known, his artwork has great value. So I wanna show you another one. We're gonna keep playing the guessing game. So I wanna show you a shirt. How much do you think the shirt goes for? A thousand. Five hundred? Five thousand. Twenty bucks. Seventy dollars. Is it expensive? Did I put the expensive one first or did I put the cheap one first? Who knows? Which one is it? Actually, this one is da -da -da -da, it goes it retails for one thousand eight hundred dollars from Gucci. <laughs> So this is from Gucci, yeah. It's, I'm gonna tell you something, I felt really, really poor going to their website, because I only went to their website to get a picture, and even that, I felt super poor. Somebody's, somebody's whole outfit probably covers my summer, spring, and fall tuition, pero bueno, it's okay. Um, I wanna show you another picture, one more. And then we got this one. How much does this one retail for? A thousand? Fifty bucks? You can actually get it for $18.99 at Forever 21. So, here's the thing. These, you know, these are all clothing brands, paintings, but the thing is that because of who made it, because of who painted it, what brand it is, there is more worth given to it, you know? I don't really think people necessarily pay so much for Gucci because of the nice designs, because in my opinion, 
Gucci's clothing is not the cutest stuff, but because it's Gucci, because we know what brand that is, people are willing to spend money on it because it's the brand. It's not so much about the clothing. It's not so much about the style. It's about the branding and be what you know what is behind that brand. It's a luxury brand. We know that this brand sells expensive things, really good quality, whatever it is. And people are willing to, to you know spend on it. I don't know if you guys remember, there was a time where the Gucci belt was really in style. That black belt with, uh, with one or two Gs in the front. I don't know if it was one or two, but regardless. It was a belt, and everybody was buying it and tugging in their shirt to make sure that you know you can see the belt, because it's not just any belt. It's not just a belt to hold up your pants. It's the Gucci belt, and everybody was trying to you know show it off because it's the brand behind it, right? Because anybody can make a belt that's black with a G on it. You know, it's not a groundbreaking design, but it's the brand that's behind it. You know, it's the it's a brand that you know adds to the price, to the worth of it. The same thing happens with bags. You know, you can buy a, any kind of bag. All these designs of bags, you can buy them for like really cheap, for like 30 bucks, but they're non-brand they're non-brand bags. Now, the same style of bag, you can buy it from Chanel, from Michael Kors, whatever other brand, and suddenly it skyrockets in price. It's the same design, the same colors, but it's the brand behind it that adds value to it. So you can say there is power behind a certain name. A name holds power in how you value things. If, you, if I hear somebody saying, oh, we're going to go eat burgers at McDonald's, I'd be like, okay, it's a burger from McDonald's, it's whatever. But there's actually a really good um, burger joint, the 109 burger joint around here. Those burgers go for like 10 to 12 bucks. But if you tell me we're going to eat there, I'm like, oh, I know that place sells really good burgers because it's a specific restaurant that I know and that I like. So behind the name, there is some kind of power. You know, behind, why do you think companies spend so much money on celebrity endorsements? You like that celebrity and that celebrity is endorsing this product, your opinion on that product might just change because your favorite celebrity is saying, hey, I like this, I use this, and you're like, oh, I didn't really like this before, but, you know, so-and-so is using it, maybe I should try it. There is power behind a name. And the reason I'm, um, trying, I'm talking about this is because, you know, we hear things about different brands and all these stuff, but what about when we hear God's name? Do we understand the value and the significance behind his name? Because I feel like sometimes we don't attribute enough worth and enough value to the things that come from God. You know, we hear about all these other brands, about these celebrities and all these other things and these names, and we're like, oh my gosh, that's so important. But how much worth and value do we attribute to the things of God? Because I feel like sometimes we really do take his, his things for granted. His name and everything that comes from him, we sometimes really do take it for granted. So I'm going to make another reference to my love for K-pop music because I feel like I can just make a lot of references to it. You make references out of what you like. so. I make references out of this. So I'm going to go back to my, to me buying lots of merch. There is one specific thing that I really wanted to buy. Um, my favorite group does this reality TV show called Run BTS. It's like a little fun show. And BTS and, and Fila have a collaboration. They sponsor Fila in Korea. And so for their 100th episode, they made this limited edition shirt 
that had a special design for in celebration of their 100th episode. And it was limited edition, so once it went out, that was it. They weren't going to ever restock it. So only the lucky people got that shirt. I was one of those lucky people. So I haven't worn it yet because it's really hot in Florida, and it's like a black long sleeve from Fila. It's really thick, but eventually I'll wear it. But every so often, I go to my closet, and I take it out of the hanger, and, I'm, and I look at it, and I'm like, you're so lucky, Susie. You got it. Not everybody has this shirt. This was limited edition, and you got it. There's only a few of these shirts around the world, and you're one of those few. Aren't you just lucky? And I feel so good about myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, not everybody has this. I'm so lucky. But one of these days, I did that, and I was like, how often do I then, you know, pick up my Bible, sit down with God, pray to him, and, and think to myself, wow, Susie, you're so lucky to know God. You're so lucky to have him in your life. You know, not everybody has God as their Lord and Savior in their lives. So you're so blessed to have him in your life. How often do we really think about the fact that we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and think to ourselves, wow, I am so blessed because it's a reality. Not everybody knows Jesus Christ. Not everybody. And some people do know him, but do not know him as their Lord and Savior of their lives. We are blessed when we can say that I am saved by Jesus Christ, that I am a Christian and that I have surrendered my life to God. That is a blessing. But how often times do we, how often do we actually sit down and realize, wow, I am so blessed because of that. I'm so lucky to have him in my life. Sometimes we take, we have God more as an attribute or as an aside thing of our lives instead of the center of our lives. We have him as like another one of the many things that are in our lives. Like, that's just one of my personalities. That's one of the things that I'm into, but it's not the center or the purpose of my life, as it should. Um, sorry, I lost myself. So, so, like, think about it. You want to go to a concert for your favorite so, um, artist, and the tickets get sold out. You're going to be bummed out. You're going to be really sad. Oh, I really want to go to the concert. I really want to see them and you didn't get to go. You're going to be really bummed out, and you might even have a few weeks where you're in a bad mood because you get, didn't get those tickets. Or maybe, you know, some people were talking about a party, and you really wanted to go. Your friends were all going to go, and you guys were going to have a good time, and then you ask your parents, they're like, no, you're not going to that party. You're going to be really upset, too. You're going to be uh, bummed out for the whole week. You're probably going to be moody. You're not going to want to talk to your parents. You're going to be really upset. If a new phone came out or whatever came out and you wanted it, but you can't afford it or your parents won't give you the money for it, you're going to be bummed out as well because when we value something, we want it. We want it on our side. We want it in, in our possession. And when we can't have it in our, in our lives, we get bummed out because it's something that we care about. But then think about it. Um, I woke up late for on Sunday and I didn't get to go to church. Are we really going to be bummed out that we didn't get to go to church on Sunday? Uh, it's just a Sunday. It's just a Sunday. I, I overslept. It happens to everybody. I can just go to Sunday. I just can. I can go to church next week. It's not that big of a deal. Or you come home from school really tired, and you're like, I'm just gonna take a nap. I'm, I don't feel like going to, to to the youth group today. I'll just go next Friday. You're not gonna be bumped out that you missed youth group, right? Or if you didn't read your Bible today. You're like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, I didn't read it, but I can read it next week, or I can read it next, or next month, and it becomes a habit. You don't feel like you missed out on anything. You feel like you missed out on the concert when you didn't get the ticket, 
But when you don't spend time with God, you don't really feel like you missed out on something. You just feel like, well, no, I can just do it next week or I can do it some other time. We don't really understand the value of spending time with God. We don't understand the value sometimes of coming to church. And so when we miss out on these opportunities to be with God and to spend time with God, we don't really feel like we missed out on something. We're just like, okay, we can just push it over to another time. It's okay. Nothing really happened. And I think the reason that we sometimes feel this way and that we don't value necessarily ev- the things of, that come from God and His in our relationship with him is because we don't know or we simply forget the significance of who he is and what he has done in our lives. So going back to the opening phrase from the song as well, I really like it, if we only knew. I think that's a really great verse to keep, your, to keep in our mind. If we only knew about who God is and his greatness and his love for us, if we only knew the truth that is revealed to us in the Bible, if we only knew how great he is and how wonderful he is to us, maybe our perception about him and our relationship with him would change. There would be a shift. There would be a change in how we see it because sometimes we really do see doing things for God and spending time with him as a chore or a drag rather than a blessing in our lives. So if we only knew, so you know, we know who Vincent Van Gogh is, we know about Gucci, we know about all these luxury brands, about these celebrities, but who is God? Who is God in our lives? Who is he revealed in the Bible? So today I want to start from the very beginning, from the very first verse in the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. And it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the very first thing that God decided to reveal to us in the Bible. He is a creator. Every last thing that you see in this world has been created by him. So that's the first thing we know. He is the creator of this world. And if you keep reading in chapter 1, you see how he created day, how he created night, the waters, the land, the vegetation, the animals. And at the very end, in verse 27, it says, and he created us. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So this is the very first thing that God reveals to us. He is a creator. And that's already a pretty good reason to find him worthy of our time and to see how important he is. He is the creator of it. Nobody else can say, I've created the world. He is the creator of the world. He is the creator of everything that we see, and he's the creator of you and I. Now, staying in, Je- in the book of Genesis, we're going to jump over to, verse, to chapter 17, verses 16 to 17. We're going to be going through a lot of different verses today, so we're going to do a lot of reading. It says in verses 16 and 17, I will bless her, and I, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, sh- and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to him, himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? So, if you haven't noticed, this is the story about Abraham and Sarah. So, little reminder, a little refresh. Abraham and Sarah, they were both they were promised by God that he was going to have a son. And that from that son, they were going to have a great descendants. But the problem was, they were getting really old. Sarah couldn't have kids. And they were like, okay, God, what's going on? But God said, you know, 
don't worry, you are going to have a child. I will give you guys that child. But the thing is, uh, you know, if you read a lot of articles, lots of health experts say that um, pregnancy after the age of 35 is a very risky pregnancy. It's going to be very dangerous to get pregnant after that age. And obviously, Sarah over here is very well past the age of 35. She's 90 years old when she had um, her son. But as we read and we jump into chapter 21, verses 1 and 2, it says, The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time God had spoken to him. So I'm not trying to reference a song, but here we see that he is a miracle worker because that was the impossible. Having a child at 90 is quite literally impossible to do, especially during this time. You will not probably find anybody at this age having a child. So God did the impossible, and he kept his promise. It says he did to her as he had promised. So right now we have three, three things about God. He was the creator of the world. He was the creator of you and I. He is somebody who keeps his promises. He's not going to promise something and not come through. Even if we don't think he's, he's you know, acting on time that we want him to, he will keep his promise. And he can do the impossible because, like I said, 90 years old to have a child is impossible. And these are three big things that we can see about God, and we're only in, in the first book of the Bible. We haven't even moved forward from Genesis. This is all things that have been revealed to us in one book of the Bible. And staying in Genesis, we're going to keep going to then chapter 37. And in chapter 37, we read about our good friend Joseph. If you know about Joseph, he was the dreamer. And his dreams got him into a lot of trouble because he was the youngest of all his siblings. And he had these dreams that he told his brothers, like, hey, you guys are going to be bowing down to me and stuff. And obviously no older sibling wants to hear that. I speak as his older sibling. I, will not, I, mm -mm, I wouldn't let that, that dream pass. Um, but it got him into a lot of trouble. He was a favorite of his father, and his brothers hated him. To the point where we read in chapter 18, in verses 18 and 20, they, his brothers, saw him from afar, and before he came to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes the dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into the pits. Then we will see what, then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. That's pretty rough because, you know, I, I get it. Sometimes siblings don't get along, but the fact that your siblings want to kill you, the fact that his siblings wanted, you know, were able to sell him off as a slave to some strangers for money, you know, that hurts. Like, obviously, we know that he didn't get killed, but still, being sold as a slave is, no, is not a, anything better. I mean, he's alive but it's not anything to re be rejoicing about. He got sold by a as a slave by his own brothers. And the only reason that his brothers didn't kill him wasn't because they didn't, they didn't hate him that much. Trust me, they wanted to kill him. The only reason they didn't kill him was because they didn't want innocent blood shed on their hands. That was the only thing that stopped them. Their, their brother was like, hey, look, let's not kill him. Let's not get into so much trouble. That was the only reason they, that they didn't kill him. But as we keep reading about Joseph's story, 
we find we know the story that he you know started working and God did many things for through him in Egypt to the point that he was able to interpret the dreams of the Pharaoh and and became second in Egypt and during that time a famine came into Egypt and there was no food but because Joseph was able to interpret the dreams he was able to provide Egypt with the food and he was also able to provide for his own family and in verse in chapter 46 verse 2 to 3 it says and God spoke to Israel and in visions of the night and said Jacob Jacob and he said here am I then he said I am God the God of your father do not be afraid to go down to Egypt for there I will make you into a great nation so through all of these hardships that Joseph was going through in his life God still had a purpose and a reason for everything he allowed all of this to happen even though it didn't make sense because he had a purpose and at the end Jesus through all this God was able to work in, Ab in Joseph's lives to save his people bring them to Egypt and there they multiplied and it became a great nation so it didn't make sense at the time why would a bro why would brothers sell their own little baby brother to strangers but God had a purpose so another thing that we learn is God is a God of purpose he is a God of detail and I've been saying this for a really long time he doesn't just let things happen just because. Everything that God allows in our lives is for a reason. So he is a creator. He is somebody who can do the impossible. He is someone who keeps his promise. And he is somebody who has purpose for everything. If Joseph had not been sold by his brothers, he would have never made it to Egypt. He would have never been able to, you know, interpret the, the dreams from the Pharaoh. He would have never been able to, you know, t talk to him about the famine that was coming. He wouldn't have been able to prepare for that, and his family wouldn't have been able to go to Egypt. Everything had a purpose in life. Everything had a reason for happening. And now we're going to leave Genesis behind, and we're going to jump into the New Testament. I'm really sorry about how many Bible verses we're reading today, but... I really wanted to just give you guys a lot of examples. So we're going to jump into Matthew. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 25, and we read about a great storm that was going on. And during the storm, everybody was fearing, you know, what was happening with the storm. But Jesus was taking a nap on the boat during this time. And we read, and it says, Save us, Lord. We are perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even winds and sea obey him? You know, it's quite, I, I can only imagine, you know, if you've ever, we live in Florida, so you guys know what big storms look like. And imagine just somebody going on, stop, and then it, everything just becomes super calm, and everything just stops. And these men, it says that they marveled and asked themselves, what man is this that even the seas and the winds obey him? So here we reveal that God has immense power, the type of power that nobody else has, that he, no one is above him. And even the winds and the seas obey him and his words. Now I know it's getting a little long with all these Bible verses, but I have one really important one that I really want to share with you guys and it's the very famous Bible verse that we all know John three sixteen, and it says for God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. This is a very famous verse that we all have heard billions of times, and I'm sure many of you guys probably have it memorized. But the last thing that I really wanted to add here is that God is the author of salvation. And that is the reason why we know that he is so important in our lives, because nobody else can offer you that kind of salvation. You know, when we really take into consideration everything that's revealed to us in the Bible, and we understand the weight that it carries and what it really means to, to us in our lives, everything changes. We see how valuable his word is. We see how important his word is and how great he truly is. Our way of seeing him and our relationship with him completely changes when we really take into consideration everything that we read. And it's important that I stress the way that we read. If you guys go to school, which you guys all do, you know, your teachers tell you don't just read to read. Read for comprehension, to understand. Because you can read through a paragraph and you can read through a story and then you get to the questions and you have no idea how to answer them because you really didn't take time to register what you were reading. When we're reading the Word of God, it's important that we truly are reading for comprehension and for understanding of what it means. There's a shift when we do this. There's a shift in our relationship because it goes from I have to go to church or I have to read my Bible, and it shifts to I want to read my Bible. I want to go to church. I want to serve in the church. I want to spend time with God because you realize I'm not, you know, you realize who you're doing this for. When you read these Bible verses and you understand what kind of God it is that we're serving, you understand who he is, and you want to serve him. You want to be with him. Because it's not about I have to. It's about I want to. But these things only happen when we really understand what we're reading, and we really understand who God is. We would not give value to Van Gogh's paintings if we didn't understand who he was. In the same way, we're not going to give value to our relationship with God if we don't understand who he really is. And that's why I gave you so many different Bible verses because it's important that we understand what he is, who he is, and how he loves us. And only then will we be able to truly appreciate and value our relationship with him. Um, sorry, I kind of lost myself there. <laughs> but, and, when, and like I said, we are worshiping a God who is a God of, who created the world who created you. He is a God of promises. He is a God of purpose. He is a God of strength, of power. He is a God that loves you, that loved you so very much that he came and died on the cross for you and for, you and for me and for our sins. He willingly gave his life for us. And when we truly understand that, it changes our perception of who he is and our relationship. Because we do not deserve any of this. He is an amazing God who we could never, you know, ask of anything from him. But yet he does so much for us because he loves us. And when we understand that we are worshiping the king of kings, it changes everything. We have this whole book. We have the Bible that reveals everything to you. That reveals so much about who he is, about his greatness, about his love. We have the privilege to read this book. We have the privilege to, you know, have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Amen. 